Hello, and welcome to the online service of Stonebridge Community Church. I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors at Stonebridge. And we are glad that you are connecting with us through the online service. Whether it's through the YouTube service, whether it's through the podcast service, we are glad that you are here connecting with us. The way that this works is we'll have some announcements for you directly after this welcome. Then you'll hear the Word of God preached. And then there will be two songs at the end so that you can be guided through worship and music. So we are grateful that you are connected with us. I do want to, though, as I've been doing the last few weeks, pause to encourage you to come and join us in person also. We want to be connected with you. We want to know who you are. And I know that there's a lot of you that are staying away because of COVID and concerns there. And those concerns are legitimate. But please know, your safety is our priority. We have precautions in our service in place that we believe have allowed us to meet regularly in person without the spread of the virus taking place in our congregation. Your safety, it is our priority. There's others, though, that I know you've just gotten into the rhythm of doing the online service thing or just doing the podcast thing. And while I'm still glad you're connected with us, church was meant to be done in person. It's meant to be done in actual community. Connecting with real human beings, not just with a picture of somebody on a screen. It's meant to be done with people sitting next to you, with safe distancing, but people next to you, in person, together. So, our congregation is designed towards in-person worship as best as we can. We know if you're not comfortable because of COVID, that's res we respect that, we understand that. But if you're just getting into the habit of doing the online service thing, come and join us in person. You are welcome. We want to connect with you. So welcome to worship. God bless you. And may God guide you through this worship service and throughout the rest of your week. Welcome to Stonebridge. Our new membership discernment class starts Sunday, October 31st. Join Pastors John and Jonathan for three informal and informative afternoons where you can meet others who are on a similar spiritual journey as yours. Learn about Stonebridge's core beliefs and values, ask and find answers to your questions, and then if you choose, become a member of our church family. Free childcare is available. To let us know you'll be attending, please contact the church office or visit our website. Mark your calendars for an all-church Halloween party. On Saturday, October 30th, come in costume to the 530 worship service and then stay afterwards for hot dogs and churros, games, and of course, candy. If you would be interested in helping set up or run games for the event, contact Miss Stephanie. For the next several weeks of the Moses Legacy Sermon Series, Pastor John is taking a deeper dive into the sermon by discussing topics and questions that didn't make his final cut. Stonebridge Extras is designed to help deepen your personal understanding of the Bible and enrich your growth group's discussion. Published Saturday nights at 5.30, Stonebridge Extras can be found every weekend within the Stonebridge Church podcast. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in the Bible app, please take time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. And once again, welcome to worship. As our sermon series of Moses' legacy continues, 
we're moving out of the book of Exodus now and focusing on the law. This is Moses's real legacy throughout scripture. The law is what Moses passed down that more than anything else shaped and formed the people of God. So we're in the book of Leviticus now. And we're at Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And as I read this scripture, I invite you to hear the word of God. Read the scriptures with me now. The Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any of you bring an offering of livestock to the Lord, you shall bring your offering from the herd or from the flock. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you shall offer a male without blemish. You shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting for acceptance in your behalf before the Lord. You shall lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be acceptable in your behalf as atonement for you. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, through your scriptures, speak to us now, Lord. We know that your word is there throughout the scriptures and that the, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you speak to us through your scriptures, even the obscure ones, even the ones that we don't really pay a lot of attention to, even the ones that we haven't reflected on too much, Lord. Your word can be found there as well. So, Lord, illuminate these scriptures to us now. Speak to us so that we can understand you. And Lord, guide us through this wonderful, mysterious book of Leviticus. We thank you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. The book of Leviticus really does introduce us to this mysterious world that's so different than the world that we're used to and that we live in. Leviticus is a book that focuses on symbols and artifacts and even architecture to a certain point. The different symbols that are mentioned in this book, the different types of sacrifices, the altar that they are made at, all of that carries significance. It points to other truths. And though the book may feel so different than what we are used to, the underlying sentiment beneath it all, I think, is something that we can all connect with. But before we get to what that underlying idea is or what really we can learn about God and God's character from Leviticus, we have to understand some of the symbols. And we have to understand what the book of Leviticus is actually trying to do. What it's trying to solve. What it's trying to show us. You see, Leviticus is the law. And as the law, it is part of God's response to sin. So the book of Leviticus, it is focused on sin. But it's not focused on sin so that people can be condemned. It's focused on sin so that sin can be atoned for. It's really a, so that sin can be covered over, can be taken care of, so that sin can be addressed. And the primary way that Israel is to address sin and to handle sin is there through the altar. Now, before we go too deep into the altar, I want to pause and just ponder on the question, what is sin? 
Sin is a word that we talk about, we use it regularly. Sin has very bad connotations to it. It's something that should make us uncomfortable. Some people have said that sin is missing the mark. Others have said that sin is separation from God. All of those are true. But when you look at the Bible, if you ask the question, what is sin? You will get slightly different answers depending on which part of the Bible you are looking at. Sometimes sin seems to be equated to specific actions or behaviors. Other times, though, sin is talked about as almost a cosmic force. For instance, if you go read the book of Romans, when the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome, Romans 5 through 8, Paul talks about sin as though it's a cosmic force in the world that has agency, that makes decisions, that can uh, affect us directly through its decisions. Other times, sin is talked about as a weight or a burden, something that needs to be lifted. So it's not even actions at that point, but it's this burden that is placed upon us. At other times, the Bible talks about sin as though it's an accounting, that it's really a financial ledger system. The Bible uses all sorts of different metaphors and images and language to talk about sin. In the book of Leviticus, sin is connected to almost an infectious type of mold or something. That might sound a little odd at first, but that's really the way Leviticus talks about sin. That the violations of God's law, they create this mold, this, this, this substance, this, this thing that infects the world. The way that Leviticus talks about sin, it's hard for us to understand because we tend to associate sin strictly with behaviors. But decades ago, this scholar, Jacob Milgram, uh, a very well-known, well-renowned scholar in the book of Leviticus, he did extensive research and he showed that the way sin works in Leviticus, it, it would surprise you. He actually uses this example of a story by Oscar Wilde called The Picture of Dorian Gray. You may have heard of this story. You also may not have heard of this story. But in The Picture of Dorian Gray, Dorian is a young man who is wealthy and who has the freedom to do whatever he wants. And early on in the story, Dorian has a picture of himself painted. And something magical happens, though. And Dorian becomes connected to this painting. And what this painting allows Dorian to do in this magical connection is Dorian can go out and do whatever sort of terrible behaviors that he wants to do, and his body doesn't experience the consequences of it. Instead, the painting experiences the consequences of what Dorian did. So Dorian goes out and does just horrible acts, but he's fine. He doesn't age. He doesn't grow old. He doesn't experience any of the wear and tear of life. But as he goes through life, the painting of himself, it becomes disgusting. It's destroyed. The picture of himself in his painting, he looks decrepit. He looks old. All of the effects of his life have been projected onto this painting. Jacob Milgram says that that's actually how sin works in the book of Leviticus. That the people of God, 
they do some sort of action that creates sin. And then what that sin does is it dirties up the altar. Remember I said that all the symbols and the architecture, they all have meaning. The altar was the place where God met humans. That was the place where God would meet humanity. That's where the divine and the human were to connect. And in the book of Leviticus, if the altar becomes too dirty from sin, God has to leave. That God can only handle so much sin. And if the sin becomes too great, the altar is too dirty, and God can't be present living with the people any longer. So really, the sacrificial system, it's more about retaining God's presence than it is just about forgiveness. Forgiveness is there, but really, in Leviticus, this elaborate system of sacrifices that I just read a few verses of, the goal of it is to retain God's presence. When you look really closely in the book of Leviticus, you see that there's little details that don't entirely make a ton of sense with our personal theology, our Christian theology today. For instance, we talk about the blood of Jesus as a sacrifice covering us over and atoning us and cleansing us. But in the book of Leviticus, the blood of the sacrifice is never supposed to touch a human being. The priests aren't supposed to touch the blood ever. They're not supposed to drink the blood. They're specifically told not to. So if it was meant to cleanse the person who committed the sin, if that's what the sacrificial system was there for, it's odd that the cleansing agent of the blood, which is what the sacrifice is, I mean, the sacrifice is there to cleanse, it's odd that it never touches the person who committed the sin. But the way Leviticus understands sin is that it doesn't necessarily dirty us up. It dirties up the point of connection with God. And it makes it harder for the whole community to experience God. So instead of the humans touching the sin or the sin going on the sinful, or sorry, the humans touching the blood or the blood going on the sinful person, the priests are commanded to pour the blood at the base of the altar because they're cleansing the altar. I mean, think of the altar as this uh, thermometer where so many sins will raise the altar, raise the thermometer on the altar up. And if it gets to boiling point, God has to leave. So the priests keep pouring the blood there at the base of the altar to bring the thermometer down again, to make it so that God can still live with God's people. The sacrificial system at its core, it's about retaining the presence of God. And the book of Leviticus and the law is all about people who want to live in God's presence. But they are sinful. They keep dirtying things up. And a holy God can't live with an unholy people unless the sacrificial system is honored and put in place. Now, this may sound a little out there. If you're not used to Leviticus and you're, you've talked about sacrificial language, it may sound a little different than what you've learned in the past. But this is the way 
Leviticus presents itself, and this is the way the Bible talks about the sacrificial system. So much so, actually, that in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapters 8 through 10, you can see the effects of too much sin. The people of God, they have sinned far too much. They have not atoned for their sins. They've abandoned the covenant that God asked them to be in. So in Ezekiel 8 through 10, the sin becomes so great that God's presence lifts up above the temple and leaves Jerusalem. That's what opens up the door for the exile when Babylon comes and destroys Jerusalem. This whole system was in place to retain God's presence. Now, this may sound like a weird, mysterious, foreign world to us. This is not the world that we live in. We don't sacrifice animals today. But in that day, we have to understand what God was trying to do. God was trying to live amongst the people of Israel. God wanted to travel with them through the desert, with God's presence there, connected directly. When I was in my early 20s, I hit a point in life where I needed to live with my best friend's parents. I needed a place to stay, and I needed to just go and stay with them. There's a series of circumstances that gave rise to this. And I remember early on when I would go and I would live with them and stay with them. It'd be when I was at college, I would live at college. When I would come home from college, I would stay with my best friend from high school's parents. And early on, during a summer one time, I remember feeling so uncomfortable. I remember feeling like I would do something wrong and they would be mad at me. I felt like a burden. I felt like I was mooching off of them or something. So what I did, and this is fairly odd behavior, but you can understand that I just was not comfortable in the situation. And I thought that they didn't really want me there. So what I did is I would wake up early and I would go leave and I would stay out of the house. And then I would come home really late after I was sure everybody else had gone to bed. So I didn't really see them or interact with them because I just didn't really realize that they wanted me there. And I did this for a few days, maybe a week or so. Sometimes I would even just go and sit at a park and read by myself. I didn't have anywhere to go at the time. After about a week of this, the woman of the, of the couple, my best friend's mom, she finally waited up for me. And I came home and she said, we have to talk. And she sat me down in the kitchen table. And she just said, what is going on? Why are you avoiding us? And I was honest and I said, I, I feel like a burden. I, I feel like uh, you, you guys don't really want me here. And I just feel really uncomfortable and really out of place. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, we invited you to live with us because we want you to be part of our life. We want you to be a part of our life. Something about that hit me and it made me realize I had completely misread the whole situation. We want you to be part of our life. 
That's essentially what God is saying to the people of Israel here in the book of Leviticus. God is trying to solve this problem where the people of God can't be a part of God's life. But God is now reaching out to them through the sacrificial system so that God can live with them, so that they can be connected, so that they can have one shared life together. That's what God was doing in this book. And that idea of we want you to, we want you to be part of our life, that's essentially what God says to each and every one of us also. Not just through the sacrificial system, but through the sacrifice of Jesus as well. God is saying to you, I want to be part of your life. Now, I've talked about how Leviticus, it's all about retaining the presence of God. It's all about God living with Israel and being there with the people of God. But that whole thermometer thing, you can understand that after a time, that's a very difficult way to live. Worrying constantly, is the temperature going to get too hot? Is the sin going to become too great? Is God going to abandon us? And that's where when we understand the book of Leviticus, I think we can understand more clearly what Jesus' sacrifice actually accomplished. Jesus' blood was poured out on the earth. And as the perfect sacrifice, Jesus' blood cleansed the entire earth from our sin, from the mistakes you've made, from the mistakes I've made, from the sins that we all have committed. Jesus' blood didn't just cleanse us, didn't just forgive us, but cleansed the entire world so that we never have to worry about God leaving again. That whole scene I described where God leaves Jerusalem in Ezekiel, we never have to worry about that again. Jesus' sacrifice cleansed the whole world from anything that would drive God away from us. God said, I want to be part of your life. And then Jesus sacrificed himself to make that happen. And now through the power of the resurrection, We can live connected to God, knowing God is with us. That's what Leviticus is trying to show us. And that's what Jesus' sacrifice in light of Leviticus and the sacrificial system, that's what it really gives us. We can trust that even when we don't feel God's presence, God is there. We can have certainty in God being connected to us. I want to be part of your life. That's what God has said to you. You are forgiven, but it's not just that you are forgiven. The world has been cleansed through the consequences of all of our sin. And God is working to restore creation and return. Because God wants to be part of your life also. May you rest in that, may you take comfort in that, and may you rejoice in that truth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
soul I give you control Consume me from the inside out Lord, let justice and praise Friends, God wants to be a part of your life. So much so that God put this sacrificial system together so that Israel and God could be in community. God wants to be a part of your life so much so that Jesus came to this world in human form and sacrificed himself so that the world could be cleansed of all of our sins. God wants to be part of your life. So may you go from here understanding that truth. May you go from here accepting that truth. And may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.